Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. HRT, get their new man. It's a great company that I've had a long involvement with, so it's uh, very nice to be back. The Rally Ace gets some laps. And they're completely uh, different driving styles, obviously. And we look at the future of tyres in the V8 supercars. Places like Bathurst and things like that, where you see upwards of 1,800 kilos of vertical load on it, there is no other racing category in the world that would see that. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Mike Henry has been appointed Racing Operations Manager at Walkinshaw Performance. Henry talked about his time with WP, not only in Australia, but in Formula One with Tom and various other stints. I think this is about my sixth period of employment for Tom and the family. Uh, going right back to the start of HSV, so it's been great. It's been a long, a long and quite a good fun history. I went back to university and did engineering, and then I went to Europe to work for TWR and Arrows and various other parts of the company, and then came back to Australia in 2005 and uh, have been with Walkinshaw Racing here on and off ever since. Henry talked about the changes taking place at Walkinshaw Performance. Oh, look, I think we've had... Uh, a history of this team that's been very long and very strong and, and like any sporting organisation over a period of time you have change and we're obviously going through one of those changes at the moment. Um, the, the guys that have now departed did a wonderful job in their time here and, and statistically it all speaks for itself. They've had championship wins, Bathurst wins, all the rest of it. So um, we're just you know, going to press on from there and just make more history. But Mike Henry doesn't expect anything special at Darwin. Me just coming on board is nothing special. It's these guys have been running this season all year and are, gonna, are going to continue to do so. So in that regard, Darwin is the next race. We'll treat it just like any other race. Uh, obviously, we're going to go there and try, like all other races, to win them. Um, we've had plenty of success there in the past. Uh, it's a, ca- a track that uh, at times has suited our cars, so no doubt we're going to Darwin with the full intent of winning it. Toll Holden Racing Team, Bundaberg Racing, Wilson Security, Fujitsu's and Brad Jones's trio of cars all took to the circuit at Winton this week, with Campbell Little and Mark Winterbottom embedding themselves into the Tony D'Alberto Falcon to try and lift the car up the grid. Last week, the Queensland teams took to the racetrack with Chris Atkinson getting his first taste of V8 supercars. Well, we mentioned it last week. This week, Atkinson was able to tell us how he enjoyed driving the super cheap auto racing Commodore. It's great to uh, get the opportunity finally to get behind the wheel of a V8 supercar. And thanks to Paul and the whole team for, for making that happen. Atkinson described the difference in techniques he needed to employ between a rally car and a V8 supercar. 
even though a supercar's got a heap of power and uh, it's actually a really gentle thing. You've got to drive and be really smooth and, and I think that was a big thing for me to get used to. Rally car, you're more aggressive, more sideways, obviously, and, and uh, on the throttle earlier. Um, the supercar, it's more about carrying entry speed and then uh, being really smooth on the throttle and I think it's being almost the opposite to a rally car, it, it takes uh, a little bit of time to uh, adjust to. Irishman and favourite of the V8 Insiders, Richard Lyons, has signed with Jonathan Webb's Mother Energy Drinks Racing Team for the Enduros. Lyons will test at Darwin as he re-familiarises himself with a 888 V8 supercar. Other teams that have nominated their endurance drivers for the Friday session at Darwin include HRT, Triple Eight, Bundy Racing, Jack Daniels, Team BOC, Wilson Security Racing, Super Cheap Auto Racing and Ford Performance Racing. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, we find out more about how tyres on the car of the future might offer new opportunities for competition on the racetrack. I would expect the car would be launched at Bathurst with the 18-inch tyre on it. The change from 17 to 18-inch, you're only talking, you know, you're your 12, 12 millimetres out of the sidewall of the tyre. Um, the actual diameter of the tyre is going to remain the same as what we've got, so it doesn't sound a lot, but it's going to be significant. But next, it's Dan Crane from Stone Brothers Racing who will introduce us to the world of a V8 supercar engineer. A lot of my development as an engineer has been working alongside a lot of those more senior guys and really understanding how they get the most out of both their driver and their race car. Then later, Andrew Van Leeuwen and Adrian Mussolino will talk testing, HRT and the Gold Coast. I hope you stay with us. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On a new segment here on the V8 Insiders, we're joined by Dan Crane from Stone Brothers Racing. And uh, Dan, one of the jobs that I know a lot of people would love to uh, be in a role is engineering. And of course, you've now worked for a couple of teams up and down pit lane. Yeah, that's right, mate. I'm, I would say I'm pretty fortunate to have the job I've got. You know, I always wake up in the morning sort of uh, thanking myself for the fair bit of hard work and sacrifice I've put into it. And, uh, yeah, like you said, I've worked for a few teams now. I'm sort of always taking my opportunities that have come in front of me. And, you know, I'm back in sunny Queensland with uh, Stone Brothers Racing, where I sort of started my career from, and, um, you know, very happy to be part of the team. What's the differences between teams for an engineer? Oh, look, you know, um, it, it, it's actually quite different. I mean, I've worked for now four teams, um, two quite large teams like Ford Performance Racing and Stone Brothers Racing and two smaller teams in Pit Lane. And really it just comes down to, I guess, how the um, companies structure their sort of upper management and the way they divide up the uh, engineering roles amongst um, the amount of engineers they've got for each team. 
Mm. Now, your engineering role that you currently perform for Stone Brothers, can you give us an idea what that is? Yeah, I'm, I'm basically titled as senior race engineer. So, you know, in essence, that's the, the senior engineer on the car. I work hand in hand with um, with my driver Alex Davidson on the Irwin Tools car. And on a race weekend, my role is to work exclusively with him to fine tune the car and uh, obviously try and improve whatever we can to, to get the best lap time. And then that's a little bit different when we come back to the workshop. We spend a lot of time analysing our performance at the race meeting, uh, both the driver's performance and our car performance relative to our competitors, and try and devise um, you know, new devices or mechanisms or strategies to improve our, our total product and our race car to try and obviously do a better job next racetrack we go to. When you are the lead engineer on a car... How much responsibility do you have at the racetrack for that car's performance and then critically in the preparation of the car back in the shop? Oh, look, I'd say, um, yeah, wholly and solely generally responsible for the entire um, specification of the car at the racetrack and the changes that we make. Um, We always work as a group of engineers with my fellow race engineers on the other cars and we've also got some uh, a junior data engineer on each race car, so they become a part of the integral team on the race weekend and uh, obviously we'll take slightly different directions depending on what each driver needs to get the most out of the race car because they all like something just a little bit different. And then uh, more back at the workshop, I guess we work as a group of engineers. Uh, the best strategy for us is to use three cars and have them uh, with all the little setup parameters as similar as possible. Um, that way we can maximise the limited time we have on the racetrack to try and get the best performance across all three cars as well as then our individual tweaks for each car, for each driver. How much authority do you have to make a decision on what part goes on the car or what testing program you're going to be going out and doing between races? Um, yeah, generally probably we... We sit down and have meetings amongst uh, the senior engineering group as well as uh, Jimmy Stone, one of the, uh, the owners of the team, as our chief engineer. And, and we'll sit down and talk about uh, what we want to get out of our next race meeting or practice session or test day and then how we'll think about um, doing that or the items that we can try to change on the car. And obviously, you know, everyone um, with their vast experience will also weigh in a little bit and sometimes they agree and sometimes they have you thought about it from this angle. So, you know... Oh, the decision always comes back to me, but um, in essence, it's always a bit of a, a team input. We hear a lot about that driver and engineer role they play together, and I guess we've seen with Bridie and Phil Keane over the years through so many different teams and so many different, uh, well, types of racing experience that they always seem to come together and have success. What is it about when you're looking at a driver knowing that you can work with them? Yeah, I, I think it is. And it's more of an understanding um, on a personal level of the performance of each car. I mean, obviously what we're trying to do is mix the mechanical speed of the car with, um, you know, like I said, what the driver needs the car to do or how he needs it to feel to be able to get the most out of it. So um, every driver is a bit different and that working relationship you have with your driver um, to be able to point out when they probably need to do a better job or to obviously back up what they're telling you and say, you know, I need to do a bit better job with the car for you. That becomes um, where some of that last little bit of time always comes from for the guys up the front. And like you said, Jason and his engineer, Phil, who I've actually had the, um, the privilege to work with before, now they do a very good job and um, you know, 
a lot of my development as an engineer has been working uh, alongside a lot of those more senior guys and really understanding how they get the most out of both their driver and their race car. Mm. Well, Dan, we're looking forward to catching up with you in the weeks ahead as we find out a lot more about what you guys are doing at the racetrack and trying to tune the cars in the weeks to come. I look forward to it, mate. Thank you very much. Still to come, it's the round table on the V8 Insiders. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from V8X Magazine, it's Adrian Mussolino. Good evening, Adrian. Good evening. Thanks for having me. And joining us from Motorsport E-News, it's Andrew Van Leeuwen. Good evening, Andrew. Hi, how are you going, Craig? Very well, thanks, mate. And uh, interesting times in V8 supercars with, uh, well, everyone getting paid up and getting their share of the cash. But uh, I guess one of the biggest pieces of the news, bigger than everyone getting cashed up, was what's going on at HRT. Now, can HRT get themselves settled down, Andrew, in time for Darwin, which is not very far away? Look, I wouldn't be surprised if HRT's attentions have already turned to the Enduros. At the end of the day, you can't see James Courtney or Garth Tander being realistic title threats this year. I mean, Garth's been fairly consistent, but uh, I certainly don't know that he's going to be able to run down uh, Jamie Winkup. So I reckon the, the team would never, ever admit this because they're always going to talk about the next race and going out and being as competitive as possible. But I would think they're already starting to think about the Enduros and the changes they're making now are all about getting ready for those races. And, you know, I think they needed to do something. There's no doubt that, that they they haven't had a great run in the last couple of years. You know, I mean, this used to be the Holden team. This was the team that was the, the one to beat, certainly with Holdens, and they're, they're not even that anymore with Triple Eight also running Commodores. So they, they need to make some changes. And, look, I think whether it'll there'll be a, you'll see a big change in the way the team go about their business between now and Darwin, I don't know, but... I would imagine this is all about trying to get a good result of the Enduros because, you know, one good one good run on a uh, on a Sunday afternoon late in October and you can uh, you can turn a whole uh, season around. Adrian, what are your thoughts? I agree. I think consistency is a key, and that's what they've really been missing. And we've seen so many times this year Garth come on strong on a Sunday afternoon, but by that stage he's lost so many points on the Saturday that you know he's really losing touch with Jamie Winkup and we've seen Jason Bright up there now so consistency is the key they needed to change as Andrew said there's a real title drought there and that's really not good enough for the Holden fans and the biggest supported team in the country. Could I put the this... Funny, the funny part is it's always Garth that seems to come good, as Adrian just mentioned. Garth is the one in this tough period that seems to be getting the job done. James, he thinks, if things aren't going really well for him, they seem to go really bad, whereas I've been blown away with the way Garth has just grafted results out of what obviously isn't a very happy team at the moment. It's been quite incredible. Winton was another example. Sunday afternoon, third, just quite incredible. 
is it safe or would anyone like to say that really Jason Bright and Brad Jones Racing are what have really highlighted the problems at HRT where you had a customer, Adrian, doing the business? I think that's that's a big point and that's something that was raised at Winston. I remember someone asking at the press conference, you know, are the bigger teams being embarrassed by this little small team from Albury who's doing the business? And I think that's just sort of put it more in focus and this is the factory holding team after all. They need to be getting results. They need to be getting race wins. They need to be in championship contention and if they're not doing that, then changes need to be made. Andrew, your thoughts on that? No, I mean, Adrian's 100% on the money there. This is the factory team. You cannot underestimate the uh, what that word means. There is another Holden team out there that's running right at the front. Now there's, now there's two of them with Brad Jones racing and for HRT not to be doing it, it must be embarrassing. They'll, again, they're never going to admit that, but it absolutely must be. And, and as you pointed out, Craig, Brad Jones racing, they are essentially a customer team of wall controls. They do go their own way with their engineering. Uh, they go quite a long way down their own way with the engineering, but what they're doing is working on what... Uh, HRT or what wall control racing is doing at the moment is not working. So, you know, that that, that will definitely uh, be causing some headaches uh, at Clayton and, and the, the, they need to they need to fix things. They need to get back to being the um, the, the number one holding team, the, the number one team in the title race and, um, and they need to make changes to do that. So at least they're doing something. I mean, that is a positive sign as far as I'm concerned. In the public's eye, Andrew, do you think the public sees Triple Eight as a holding team? Or do you think they see them as an engineering powerhouse? And do you reckon they see Triple Eight as Holden yet? Look, I, I, I don't know. I haven't done a Vox Pop out in, the, out in the paddock. I would think that your died in the wall Holden fans are still Holden Racing Team supporters and always will be. You know, if you are, if you love the sport for that brand. For Holden, you're going to love the Holden Racing Team. You know that's how it's always going to be. And you're right. I mean, the Triple Eight have only been a Holden team for what two years now, so it's not. They haven't always been a Holden team. Uh, you know, the, the alliances and the allegiances are always very much uh, split in the sport. So uh, it probably takes a while for uh, I mean, for, for fans to sort of switch over and sort of forget that this was the team that went and won. Uh, a bunch of titles and battles with Ford. They're now a holding team, so I think your Dyson will holding supporters still love HRT, and that's why it's so important for them to be uh, to be winning races. Because I asked the question, Adrian, mainly because we have a situation where the last three years have been won by Triple Eight built cars, and of course, <laughs> all three times being a Ford. Absolutely, and the point that was made there that's critical is that Triple Eight achieved its success and its rise to prominence as a Ford team. So they're always going to have that Ford heritage, if you like. And so it's probably a bit of pill to swallow for Holden fans. And mm. I think the problem now for, for the HRT team is that there's a real depth when it comes on the Holden side of the fence. There's you know, Kelly Racing's capable of race wins. Brad Jones Racing, Gary Rogers is up there. So they really have to sort of step it up if they're going to sort of stand out from that crowd. Mm. It is an interesting point for brand differentiation with so many Holdens in the field. I need to go to Gas and Go, so we'll go to Gas and Go now, and then we've got a few more things to talk about right after the break. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. 
Time for Gas and Go. It's brought to you by VRDX Magazine. Of course, the Digimark is just taking the world by storm, and it's only in V8X Magazine. Does the Brock name still carry the interest to the public, even if it's not Peter in front of it? Uh, absolutely. A legend like that doesn't just disappear, and um, James might not be Peter's biological son, but he'll have a strong following in the Fujitsu Series race in Townsville, no doubt about that. Adrian? Absolutely, Brock is the name in V8 Supercars, and James is you know, well-known amongst the V8 Supercar community, and I'm sure he'll get a big support in Townsville. Adrian, the question that's really going to get you in trouble is coming up later in Gas and Go, but this one could. Which team owner is going to take the money and run? That could get me in a lot of trouble. Uh, there's been some rumours about Gary Rogers, and to be honest, I'm not too sure. There have been issues with his health recently. He had um, hip issues. I'm not too sure. I think he's a passionate V8 supporter, and I can see that team continuing. Andrew, you're willing to put yourself in a ditch? Oh, I don't think anyone's going to do it in the short term. I mean, we've asked the question around the paddock, but you know, the rec worth will rise again. So I reckon it's going to be worth team owners hanging on a couple of years and uh, maybe getting a double bite of the cherry when they can sell their rec for close to what it was worth before the buyout. Is seven mate Andrew good enough for V8 supercars? Absolutely, it could be. If well marketed, you know, the channel is designed for a similar market uh, to your average V8 supercar fan, so why not push for a better time slot, regularity with live coverage rather than being shuffled around for the sake of being on the main channel? You know, Seven Mate, to me, is absolutely what they should be doing. I, I agree with that, but the issue for me is that Seven Mate doesn't have the viewership of the main channel. It doesn't have the recognition of the main channel. Um, people really aren't sort of in tune with getting on those um, digital channels yet, so... It's a bit of a concern for me, but if it means live racing, that, and that's what the fans want, so we should go for it. Mm. Adrian, Shane Price tested at Winton. Who's the best of the young drivers that aren't, aren't yet signed for an enduro spot? I thought about this today, and I thought I can't really put my finger on anyone. I think the youngsters have you know, had a great chance. Um, they've got a great opportunity come October um, at Bathurst and Phillip Island in September, and I think look at Nick Perkett and Andrew Thompson. They're the two leading ones the Fujitsu series and I've got two of the plum rides in the main game so I think the youngsters have a really good opportunity to shine come the Enduros. Andrew, is there anyone that they've missed? Yep, Tony Riccadello. He's coming off the back of a whole year's worth of V8 experience. He's much better than his results suggested in 2010 and he's a lot better than a few of the drivers that have already uh, locked in spots in the Enduros and I'm, I'm reasonably surprised that no one picked him up for the uh, the Enduros this year, because if I was a team owner, I would have had a serious think about it. Hmm. Andrew, does V8 supercars need North America, or more particularly the United States, to have a race in to justify it or to put it on the map? No, not at all. It doesn't need North America. I'm sure uh, the V8 guys would love to go and race in North America, but it doesn't need it, and North America doesn't need V8s, because they have a V8 team top class that uh, are going pretty well, don't they? So I think you know, they don't need it, but do they want it? Yeah, probably. That's why Tony's making the noise about it that he is at the moment. Mm. What about you, Adrian? I agree. I think the focus should be on the Middle East and Asia. That's where the time zones are um, similar to ours, so you'll get the good live TV coverage. I think a North American event would just be the you know, icing on the cake, if you like. Mm. That's Gas and Go for another week here on V8 Insiders, brought to you by Digimark on V8X Magazine. Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. 
Still to come on the V8 Insiders, plenty more with Andrew and Adrian when they rejoin us after the break. And then coming up on the White Flag Lap, we talk tyres with Kevin Fitzsimmons from Dunlop. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Ravel with you along with Adrian Mussolino and also Andrew Van Leeuwen. I wanted to put to you before Gas and Go this thought. Could Roland, who has pushed so hard to sell the V8 supercars, could he complete holy grail of motorsport and perhaps be running a Dodge or a Mercedes or a BMW as soon as his Holden contract is over? I, um, I think that it's already been proven that Triple Eight are willing to change manufacturers, and if there are other manufacturers involved in the sport already, it's going to be um, slightly diluted in terms of there being that big divide between a Ford and a Holden. So, uh, absolutely good. I don't know what his terms are with uh, with Holden. I don't know how long that deal's got to run. I don't know what handshake deals have been done following that in terms of extensions. But I'm sure if the right deal come along, Roland would look at it because he's an incredibly smart man and he's uh, and he's built up a fantastic empire in motorsport and, and he's going to do whatever he thinks is right for the future of his team. And, you know, with Adrian Burgess now in charge, he can go off and look at those opportunities. So is it a possibility? Yeah, of course it is. Is it going to happen? I have absolutely no idea. Mm, it could be the real diadem on Triple Eight Race Engineering to win races with a third manufacturer, Adrian. I agree. And I think, for me, there's always been two teams on the grid who stand out in terms of they could potentially um, work with a new manufacturer, and that's Triple Eight and Kelly Racing. Kelly Racing because they have those four licenses and a really great workshop and a solid engineering background. But I think Triple Eight, as you say, they're not really aligned strongly to one manufacturer. They're sort of seen as a bit of a sort of neutral team in that regard. And I think that strong engineering background, proven run of success, that'd be the perfect perfect team for a Mercedes or BMW or whoever it is. Mm. Now, of course, uh, we had testing at Winton this week and we got to see a few more of those endurance drivers. How did you think, Andrew, that all shaped out with uh, the the other drivers getting in there and getting to shake down the car a little bit more? Yeah, look, it was interesting. Some of the uh, some of the teams put their endurance drivers in, some didn't. I don't know that Gary Rogers Motorsport did in the end either. They, they were talking about not doing it, just leaving it up to uh, for Lee and uh, Michael Caruso to, uh, to do the miles. But uh, I guess it depends what the testing schedules are. Any testing miles you get between now and the Enduros are reasonably vital because um, there's not that long to go in the scheme of, of motorsport uh, until we get to Phillip Island and we, uh, and we go racing. So any miles the guys can do um, is, is you know, going to be absolutely vital. I thought the more interesting thing was Campbell Little and Mark Winterbottom helping out Tony D'Alberto at Winton yesterday. I mean, I think that was... Um, that was that was fascinating. Obviously, Tony's probably he's plateaued, if not gone a bit backwards with the Falcon in the last couple of rounds. So it'll be very interesting to see whether they can uh, translate that into some speed 
uh, at Darwin, a place where FBR cars are, are traditionally very, very strong. Mm, I was going to speak to you, Adrian, about that because it really does cement that change when you see things like Campbell Little and, and Frosty over there with the D'Alberto team that has been a staunch Holden team right through its uh, development series days into, uh, well, up until this year. Exactly, and as we said with Chipotle, that's sort of becoming a more common practice as teams don't become so aligned to manufacturers. And it was very interesting, and, and I wonder, you know, probably mutually beneficial for Mark and Campbell to get some testing and for Tony to have those experienced guys come in and give some direction maybe in terms of setup. And for Tony D'Alberto's team, um, as Andrew said, they haven't really made big advances with their move to Ford, and um, it sort of hopefully can get them back in the right direction. Hmm. Well, one thing that's also on the horizon and after the two main enduros, I guess, is the, uh, well, I don't know if you can call it enduro or it's certainly the international star-studded race at the Gold Coast. What have you thought, Adrian, about the drivers already named for this year's event? Well, there's been no official announcement from V8 Supercars, but I'd expect the same sort of group that we saw last year. Um, bit of a combination of the IndyCar drivers and a few of the World Touring Cars drivers and sports cars and that sort of thing. And I think the, the big names will again come from IndyCars, which is rather ironic given the history of that event and its IndyCar heritage. And But I think the names like Helio Castro Neves, Will Powell, Ryan Briscoe, they're going to be the key selling point for that event. Mm. Andrew, what has been your take on what they're doing? Um... Yeah, look, as Adrian said, there's been no official announcements except um, except for Kelly Racing signing uh, Alex Tagliani. Uh, that's been the only official announcement. It's a bit of a strange PR set up there in terms of when they're allowed to announce things. We've had plenty of drivers on our covers over the last sort of three or four months, so we've got a reasonable idea who's who's coming out. Um, there are going to be some. Uh, there's going to be some interesting guys. To me, the most impressive guy last year was Sebastian Bordes. I mean, he was just amazing in the uh, in the Mother Energy car with um, uh, with John O'Webb. He did a, a fantastic job, which I don't think anyone really expected him to do. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him come back with a with having done the event before with that experience under his belt. Because I think he's going to be fantastically fast. Um, same for uh, for Patrick Long. I mean, he was just. I mean, everyone was going, who's this guy before last year? And he came out and blew everyone away, and he's going to be in a HRT car this year. The other interesting rumour is uh, is that uh, Max Wilson is going to come out with um, with Brad Jones Racing. Makes plenty of sense. Um, and that would be a... Um, he'd be great to watch, because Max knows how to drive these cars, and he would be really hard to beat uh, in terms of the internationals. And the other guy to watch is going to be Joey Hand, because um, he's an American sports car racer. He's really following the, the long model... You know, no one's really heard of him, but he's actually got the pedigree to, to be really, really good at this, and he's someone who I can't wait to watch. It looks like he's going to be in a DJR. So there's some really interesting guys, and as Adrian said, they're coming from all over the place. You know, like right there, you've got an ex-Indy car, an ex-F1 driver. You've got a guy who, uh, who you know, who tested Formula 1 cars in Max Wilson. Then you've got Joey Hand, who hasn't really got any, uh, any meaningful in-the-spotlight type history, but does a lot of racing in lots of different cars and could really shine. I think what they just to expand on that point. Sorry, is I think what's interesting this season is that the stars of last year have been poached by the bigger teams this year. So you're going to see 
the likes of Bordet and Long in the top line teams alongside the top line drivers and I think that's exciting as well um, and that sort of could sort of really make it interesting at that top end. Mm. I think one of the things I've got exactly right is there's going to be 28 international drivers. Everyone has a... Uh, an international, there's no uh, ring-ins from Australia, if you like. But the other, the other thing that I'm interested to get your opinion uh, is, do we need this type of event? I know the Gold Coast and Queensland government need it, but does V8 supercars need it? Adrian? It's an interesting point. As you say, the Queensland government needs it um, to sort of differentiate that event and you know, it provides a great selling point. Does V8 supercars need it? Well, from, you could look at it and say, as the series expands internationally, it does help put the series on the map. You know, there was some international journos who came out last year to cover the event. It does provide good press overseas in Europe and North America especially, especially in North America given the IndyCar drivers are coming out. So I think it's a good little selling point for the series. So I think it can only help. But if we're pushing into Southeast Asia... Until we get Southeast Asian drivers in there, we're not going to be advertising in the market. We're immediately going to grab Andrew. Uh, yeah, not a bad point there. I would have thought that a uh, an Lorraine Carpacane or a Karen Chantock would have been a, a hot uh, bet to try and uh, to try and lock in this year, just simply to push that Indian market. If that's where VAs want to go next, and it seems like that is the uh, the hot target at the moment that that's what i definitely would have been doing um and that might still happen there's still a lot of drivers to uh to to get named i haven't heard him link to a team yet but i certainly wouldn't uh wouldn't rule it out so um but i, I think it's i think it's great i've done a real a real backflip on this because uh, about this time 12 months ago i was um i was quite a detractor of of the event and i i said as much in print and uh and i've got to say i reckon there's you know there would have been guys standing around in the paddock of the indy 500 talking about v8 supercars and who's going to be out there racing one of those things in october that wouldn't have been happening three or four years ago or even before this event came onto the um onto the onto the radar so oh, i think it's been a real success and and as you mentioned before i think the the the, the huge flaw in the event last year was the fact that it wasn't all internationals. That's been rectified. It's a big job for VH and a big job for the teams to get that many overseas drivers out. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's going to be fantastic when it all does come together. And um, and I think it's a really uh, I think it's a really good event. And apparently there's going to be a whole bunch of drivers named uh, in Le Mans this weekend. So I think there's about eight guys that we've picked as being potential uh, potentially locked into deals are uh, racing at Le Mans, so you'd imagine that it's going to be those guys that are going to be officially announced this weekend, so mm. that'll be one to, uh, to watch out for over the weekend. There is interesting times ahead. Andrew and Adrian, thanks very much for your time. We look forward to uh, catching up with you again on the V8 Insiders very soon. Thank you. No problem. After the break, it's the white flag lap here on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now.
Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's Y-Flag Lap, we look at the possibilities that may arise from the new tyre contract. Kevin Fitzsimmons from Dunlop has told the V8 Insiders that Dunlop is happy with the proposal they have offered to the championship. Um, we're ready to hit the ground running once the tender's awarded. The tender's closed um, a week before Perth. Uh, we submitted one. We're reasonably happy with it. We hope it's okay. We know we've got some competition. Don't know who it is, but we know there is competition. Um, the production facility's already done a, a run of the 18-inch tyre. The moulds have been built for quite a while because initially the car was going to run in 2012. So we were prepared for that. Um, when that got pushed back a year, we just sort of sat on everything. So development phase has already gone ahead. The tyres uh, will be here in time for... Um, the tyre testing, whenever we get around to doing that, the initial testing, shakedown testing and everything can be done on the 17-inch wheel. That won't matter. Um, the, the brake rotors aren't ready. The control wheel's not ready yet for the 18-inch. So there's a lot of water to go under the bridge with that stuff before we actually start testing. I would expect the car would be launched at Bathurst with the 18-inch tyre on it. Um, now, the testing phase and all the bits and pieces, when that commences, um, we're, we're ready to go. So... Um, not a major issue, not a major change or anything else there, but um, the development will take time, which is good that the, the tender's been out so early. We've actually got probably the best part of 14 or 15 months to develop a tyre, um, which you well and truly need with the, the way the calendar is and trying to find time to get onto tracks. Uh, so uh, we're, we're prepared to, um, to hit the ground running with that as soon as uh, it's required. Have you bid as Dunlop, or will you be looking at a branding change and going to Goodyear on the next tyre contract? Were you successful? Uh, no, we, we went down the path, uh, the previous contract, 2007, um, of looking at a change to Goodyear. Goodyear owned, a lot of people don't know, but Goodyear actually owned uh, Dunlop in Australia. So... Um, uh, yeah, we, we looked at that, but at this point of time, that the Dunlop has such a, a rich history of success in its motorsport uh, name right around the world and everything. So, um, Goodyear is very, very popular in America, um, but it was um, yeah thought about, discussed, and then we sort of said no, we'll stick with the Dunlop name, and uh, that's where we'll go. Um, you know, it, it's just convenience of manufacture and everything else like that. And now they're so busy with the NASCAR program in the states and everything. It was. Um, time frames and everything were very very difficult um the supply was okay but they wanted to do massive runs of tires in a, in a hurry and things like that so um oh yeah we just decided we'd leave it i'll leave it with the dunlop name on it and um and just press on from there could there be a time where to promote both brands you might supply a goodyear tire and a dunlop tire knowing that they're both the same tire but using the leverage of the sport to give both both your brands a run yeah, there's consideration for that. Depending on the additional overseas events that we'll be seeing in 2013 and beyond, um, Goodyear and Dunlop are very good friends and in bed here in Australia, whereas in the uh, Chinese, Japanese, sort of that, that, that part of Asia around there, they're actually two quite separate companies. Um, so it may well be that we may, we may see it's an idea I floated a while back and um, the factory that produced the tyre weren't particularly impressed as you can imagine but um, it's something we could sort of uh, certainly consider uh, but at this stage it's not really in the pipeline but it's, it's in the back of our mind It's one thing that uh, just would get a bit more rivalry out there and uh, of course you always like the sale of merchandise, get some more merch. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great if we had some good, good, good merch you could do that So, but no, look, you know, the, the good new name in America they're, they're very, very passionate about the, the NASCAR scene and they do a massive amount of, of, of tyres and the, the commitment to it is huge um, 
it's an absolute drop in the ocean what we're doing here compared to what they do over there for a season. You know, the amount of tyres they're supplying to the three main series, it's uh, it's a big eye-opener. But, um, yeah, at this stage, no, we'll just uh, play in our little pond by ourselves and um, keep our head above water and just keep paddling. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you. My thanks to Kevin, also to Dan Crane, Andrew Van Leeuwen, and also Adrian Mussolino as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.